0: You're listening to The Geek Watch Podcast, Episode 17, The DC Movie Blues, and on this week's What the Dead, The Lost, and The Plunderers.
1: This is The Geek Watch Podcast with Brian Hatcher and Mandy Petrie.
0: Greetings, Geek Watchers, and welcome to Episode 17 of The Geek Watch Podcast. My name is Brian Hatcher, and with me as always, Geek Watch's own resident geek goddess, Mandy Petrie.
1: 17, Brian. We could go see dirty movies now.
0: Without our parents. We can certainly <laughs> see that now. Today, I think to open up, let's. there's been like a massive DC news. And by DC, I mean, of course, the cinematic universe. And there's been a few things that have come up this week that I did want to talk to you about. Okay. The first is John Campia on his uh, open mic session, which is it's sort of like a, an extra thing that he does. He has his podcast show, but then he takes viewer questions during open mic. Mm-hmm. And a few days ago, he made this comment during, during the open mic. Earlier today, I found out something regarding Warner Brothers and the DC Cinematic Universe that I know is 100% true. And if I were to say what it is, people would lose their banana minds <laughs> and not in a good way. Oh. Yeah. Huh. Wow. When I heard about this, I have to admit the first thing that came into my head was, then why even bring it up at all? I mean, this is like Facebook vague booking. Yeah, something
1: bad's coming. Something
0: bad's coming. You're going to find out about it in a month or so, but you're not going to like it. I I thought maybe something might turn the corner for Warner Brothers. I've I've been holding up hope. I mean, I haven't had any reason to hold hope, but sometimes you have to have a little bit of faith. And I I was holding on to that faith. Because there's a lot of stuff that's coming up, they're still producing movies, and... Changes seem to be happening to some degree, but I hear something like that. That's just really depressing. And I think what makes it really bad is this situation of there's so much that's going on with Warner Brothers right now. With they got Aquaman going, mm-hmm. they've got they've got Shazam um, that's started shooting, and so it looks like they're continuing on with trying to make movies. But let's face it, we've got Black Panther that's now broken a half billion domestically, which is huge. And I wonder if that's not kind of spurned Warner Brothers on to say, look, we don't know what the formula is, <laughs> but we've got to keep trying. Because there's a huge amount of money to be made in this market. We've just got to figure out how to do it. How do we do it? And here's where, again, I, I kind of have a little bit of worries about this whole thing. Because they've announced that they're looking to do another Green Lantern film. Uh-huh. with. You ready for this for the lead? Tom Cruise.
1: Uh-huh. Okay, and, I, I was on board and I I still am on board with the older Batman kind mm-hmm. of people like John Hamm and Jeffrey D. Morgan that they're kind of looking at for the older Bruce Wayne. And is this what they're trying to achieve here? Well, older I, generation? Well,
0: here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking that their idea is if you put a big star in the lead, you're golden. But let me say this, Tom Cruise playing a fighter pilot. Well, that's kind of a stretch. He says sarcastically (laughs) because, of course, he and certainly he can do action as well as pretty much anybody. And is somebody does his own stunts, he loves doing films with a lot of action. He can certainly deliver on that aspect. I know a lot of people are like, oh, God, Tom Cruise is Hal Jordan, really? But I can see that that could work. But here's where I have to say in, in some part of it, I have a problem. Warner Brothers is trying to figure out how to make things work in their cinematic universe. And I would have hoped by now they would have realized that putting a big star in the front of your movie isn't going to save you. In fact, that doesn't work for any movies anymore. You can't just put a big star in front of your movie and it's going to work. I'm not saying that Tom Cruise doesn't have star power because he certainly does. Mm-hmm. But he didn't save the mummy. He led that and that movie was a disaster. And
1: maybe if we get the correct writer on this cuz I really when Tom Cruise was at the top of his game he was doing Aaron Sorkin and he mm-hmm. was doing you know Top Gun he had that witty dialogue and characterization that moved, well, moved I've heard those stories. Yeah, and you know? I've
0: heard rumors that he's wanting to bring his own writer into this. That's fine if Warner Brothers again if they can kind of stay out of it. Mhm. Maybe something good can come of this. But again, I don't think that Warner Brothers has figured out yet exactly what the formula is as far as making a good superhero movie. And it's making
1: you care about these or characters. Or making you care
0: about these characters. Not and just so- getting
1: thrown into right in the middle of it. And-
0: exactly. Because, and I've said this before on this program, any kind of a story has the big overarching story and it also has a small personal story, but the small personal story is the important one. The overarching story is just to push the protagonist into examining themselves. And Marvel movies do that extremely well.
1: Which is why, when it comes to Harry Potter, why so many people hate Dolores Umbridge more than they hate Voldemort. Because everyone has experienced someone like her in their life.
0: Exactly. Who uses
1: a little bit of power over you and trying to make you feel like you're less than human.
0: It's a good parallel between that character and Voldemort. And, of course, both of them bring about the overarching, over many books movies depending mm-hmm. on how you uh, how,
1: you've experienced how, how you've experienced the potterverse how, exactly
0: <laughs> all those characters in their own way and in parallel ways have helped Harry Potter to go through the arc that he goes through. And you're absolutely right about that. But, you know, DC, they've got to figure out how to do their small stories, Mm -hmm. because they haven't figured that out. Everything's spectacle, everything's big, but, and I have to say, except for Wonder Woman, have all been about the big story, and you don't really get to go into the small story. I think the success of Wonder Woman comes from the fact that Patty Jenkins, no story, and Warner Brothers, in a rare bit of wisdom, decided to stay out of her way, mostly, and let her Mm -hmm. do what she does best. And that's why I think Wonder Woman, to me, is the strongest movie in that whole whole cinematic universe at this point. Now, another bit of casting, since we're talking about Wonder Woman, is Wonder Woman 2. They're getting ready to cast that. We now know who the villain's going to be. Cheetah. Okay. They were talking to Emma Stone about taking the role, and she turned it down. So now they're in talks with Kristen Wiig to play Cheetah. Oh,
1: wow. Huh. Now,
0: I know some people were a little bit upset about that because they were like, are they going to be doing another comedy? They're bringing another comedian in? And look, she's done non-comedic roles before. Mm-hmm. I mean, in Mother, for example. She, that wasn't, she wasn't funny in that. And, you know, Ghostbusters wasn't that funny. Oh, <laughs> oh God,
1: Well, that wasn't her fault. But... <laughs> Well, as you know, as you've said, as a writer that you see writing like horror and comedy are sort of the same. So since she's an experienced comedic actor, you know, being able to take on that role of villain, I could see it. I could see, you know, absolutely. I think she'd be great at it. I mean,
0: especially in DC movies, you have those moments where somebody gets cast in a role and you're like, that's not going to work. You're going to cast a comedian and play Batman? Well, he did really well, though. <laughs> he was really good in the role. And I think Kristen Wake will be fine in the role. Mm-hmm. Again, if Warner Brothers stays out of the way, lets Patty Jenkins do what she does best, then it's going to be fine. And I think Kristen Wiig will be great in that role. Mm-hmm. And I think she might, if there's going to be some humor, I think it'll be appropriate humor and it, it'll be fine. Assuming that this even develops. I guess we'll have to wait a month for John Campia's news and find out what it is. And <laughs> it I guess we'll, see if, we, we'll mm. see if we lose our minds over this. Mm. And so it's now the part of the show where we discuss The Walking Dead and What What the the Dead. dead? Just so that you know, there will be spoilers because we are going to discuss last week's episode. And it was entitled The Lost and the Plunderers.
1: Lost and the Plunderers.
0: Alexandria has been breached. And there was that point at the beginning where they tried to put out the gazebo. Mm -hmm. Because Carl used to sit on the top of the gazebo, which... I don't ever recall seeing him sitting on the top of a gazebo. They tried to save the gazebo, and they couldn't. And so in this episode, there was a lot of time jumps back and forth. Yeah. And well, I guess what we can do is we can start going over some of the big plot points. I don't think we necessarily need to talk over everything that necessarily happened over the show. We saw in all the previews and the the trailer for the start of the season that the the kinky junkers were going to bite it. Uh,
1: Yes, the the Naked Trash People.
0: They did, and it happened before they even ran the titles for the show. I mean, it happened quickly, and I was surprised by that because – I thought they were going to have to wait a little bit for this because they needed to kind of develop these characters a little bit more. No, they just redshirted the whole lot Seriously, Brian,
1: I mean, I feel like we spent two years talking up Terminus. We get to Terminus, and we're there for like five minutes, and it gets blown up. I kind of feel like with the trash people that that's pretty much all they got. They were just vague plot points. They didn't Mm -hmm. get their own story. They didn't get anything. They were just, okay, we're here to advance the story, and that's it.
0: Yeah, because at this point, I'm not exactly sure Well, I've got a couple of theories, and we'll talk about them, but I'm not exactly sure the purpose of Jadis and the Naked Trash People, because are we supposed to care that they all died?
1: Because I I don't. Most
0: people don't (laughs) give a crap about them, because they haven't really been developed. Right. I'm starting to wonder if Jadis is going to be a major plot point, because there's only really a couple of things that developed in all this. One was, of course, Simon mentions, do you know what this place is? Yeah because he mentions the helipad and he mentions
1: the solar the panels. solar panels yes uh-huh
0: And of course if you remember we and we talked about this on the show last season Rick sees the helicopter, Mm -hmm. and so Jadis apparently knows more about what's going on around there than, of course, we've been led to know and that she's been letting on, and so I don't know if that's going to play into it. Obviously, Jadis isn't going anywhere, but the other thing about this whole deal is we get another episode of Rick doesn't understand PR.
1: (laughs) Or people, or...
0: Because here's this parallel, and this will go back to the talk that Rick had with Negan later on, which we'll talk about. Yes. Mm-hmm. But mm. there's this moment where Rick and Michonne are escaping, and Jadis is in the middle of her people holding up a metal chair trying to escape with them. And Rick points the gun right at her, then lifts the gun up and fires over her head to chase her off. And you just know for a moment there, he really considered pulling the trigger and mm. blowing her head off. Mm-hmm. And I think right now, this is Rick's Achilles heel. He needs to decide whether he is the hero or the villain. Because he's been walking down the middle of the road on this whole thing for a while. And it's, it's costing him every single time. I'm mm-hmm. guaranteeing you this. He either should have saved Jadis, or he should have put a bullet in her head. Because I think this is going to wind up...
1: But leaving that loose end.
0: Yeah, it's, it's going to basically just, cost him. because it's Just all, like
1: the governor, and you can't leave him. You yeah. have to...
0: You either have to... I mean, he either needs to be the hero or the villain. And here's the thing, because it's already cost him Carl, if you think about it. Because he did the exact same thing with Sadiq. He fired a bullet over his head to scare him off. Mm -hmm. If he had either saved him or shot and killed him, Carl would still be alive. Mm -hmm. Because he would not have had to have gone back to get him, either way. And so, decide if you're the hero or the villain. But if you walk down the middle of the road... Then you're in trouble. And, and it's you see, just that's like
1: Negan says. He's like, you, you are a failure. You failed as a leader. You failed as, a... and Negan's right.
0: He's not <laughs> he's wrong not, about he's it. He's not wrong. He's not wrong about I- it. And of course, that's the way they end the show with the words that Negan says to Rick. Negan's saying a bunch of stuff to Rick to mess with him, but he's not wrong. Mm-hmm. And the question, of course, is how delusional is Rick? Does he know that Negan's telling him the truth? Does Rick know that what Negan is saying is true, or is he still delusional? Because, again, that's going to be the turning point for Rick in this series, I think. It's going to be when the illusions and his delusions of himself fall away, and he sees who he really is, then he can make a positive change and possibly bring on this world that he promised Carl. Carl. Yeah, Yeah. that Carl wanted and he promised for Mm -hmm. him. But that's not going to happen while he's still in this kind of this headspace of justifying a lot of the stuff that he's done when it's going to keep hurting him. This walking the line between hero and villain. And that's Rick's problem. He needs to either go one way or the other. Mm-hmm. And I guess that's going to be a lot of what's going to motivate his character through the rest of this season,
1: And I, don't, I can't remember if we have discussed it or not, but I've been seeing that Negan is Caesar and Rick is Spartacus. And now we have Simon that I think is going to be our Brutus. I was about to say Judas. <laughs> They're Brutus. both in hell for betraying their masters. Okay, he's going to be our Brutus here. He's kind of going off the rails because he knows it's not like he's just acting out of he's intentionally doing the things and going against his orders
0: well this is my theory about all this is that his going off the rails as you put it is going to do for Negan what Carl's death is going to do for or will do for Rick I think that it's going to push those characters forward a little bit because there was that moment where Negan felt bad because he thought there might be a possibility that Carl died because of what they did, yes, mm-hmm. and he didn't want that. And you could see that. And in that situation, you you see Negan kind of being pulled a little more to the human side. But what they've always said about the show is that if we had started with Negan's story instead of Rick's story, we'd be rooting Negan for Negan would
1: be our hero. Yes, Negan
0: would be our hero right mm-hmm. now. And there's that saying in writing is that everybody is the hero in their own, their own story. story. Mm-hmm. And as a writer, you always have to fall in love with your heroes and your villains. Mm-hmm. Because if you don't love your villains, it doesn't work. You have to at least sympathize with them in some aspect.
1: I had a discussion with a mutual friend of ours uh, talking about Black Panther, and he said, When you're sympathizing with your villain more than you are with your hero, you got a problem with your movie. And of course, I had told him, I was like, I think it's the perfect movie, and he disagreed because of that. It's like, mm, but that's why I think it's the perfect movie.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, very often we have a, a situation where the hero is virtuous to a fault, and you know who the hero is is and who the villain is. Mm-hmm. And some people don't feel that comfortable sometimes when you, you find yourself sympathizing with the villain in some aspect. But I feel like in all great stories, you sympathize with the villain in some aspect. You understand why they do what they do because I'm just evil doesn't work out that well. In fact, it's one of the reasons why in horror, the whole idea of the devil as the villain, it takes somebody with a very deft hand to make that work, because it's the devil. It's like, well, you don't have to explain why they're evil. It's he's like that's, evil that's, that's
1: for the sake of evil.
0: Evil for the sake of evil. And mm-hmm. that can lead to some really crappy writing. Mm-hmm. And so... they really- get
1: Paradise Lost. And mm-hmm. you get your reasons why he's evil. And
0: But yeah, I, I really think that Simon... I can see why he's starting to get frustrated with a lot of things. And it's going to be interesting to see how... Simon, how his actions are going to play on Negan, because again, Negan, he's not about killing everybody.
1: Right. These he's about collecting people, collecting resources. Yes. And
0: his illusion kind of in all of this is he justifies this by saying, doing this, I've saved them. It's like even Alexandria, as badly as he treated them all, he's saving them. Mm-hmm. They'll get to live. But again, with Simon's actions, it's going to push him out of that illusion, perhaps. That's where I'm kind of seeing the story going. We'll see what happens. Because for the war to end, either somebody's going to have to die, or they're going to have to come to some sort of truce. Both Negan and Rick are going to have to change their worldview in some aspect, to some small degree. I feel like Simon and Carl are kind of pushing the story forward a little bit faster than it happened in the comics. Because mm-hmm. it's my suspicion, and I think it's going to play out, that the war is going to end by the end of the season. And that whatever happens, happens. And uh, at this point, we have seen that Rick has been laid low under the tree with the wound in his side. And they keep playing that up to say, well, something really bad is going to happen to Rick. And I think that's the moment where Rick changes in some aspect. Mm-hmm. Well, we, we did have Enid and Aaron. They went over to the other group of people that not a lot of people seem to care about Oceanside. <laughs> yeah. And again, I'm wondering where they're going to go with that. Because Rick has pretty much taken from them all their weapons, Everything. which now belong to the Saviors because, of course, the weapons went to the Junkers. And, and the
1: ju- then the Saviors took them back from the Junkers and then killed all the Junkers. And
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm wondering what role that Oceanside's going to play in all of this. Because, again, it's just like every time that they have a dealing with Oceanside, it turns bad. Their leader was killed. How are you going to make them say at this point, Oh, yeah, we'll help you out. Right. Because every time these people show up, bad, bad stuff happens. Happen. Where Oceanside plays in all of this, I'm, I'm not sure at this point. The more that they deal with people from Alexandria, whether it's Tara or Rick or Enid and Aaron and Aaron staying back, I'm not sure where that's going to go, but they're going to have to develop a great deal of story to convince me and <laughs> other people watching That Oceanside has any interest any in value having value at all Well, not just that they have any value But that, that they have any interest in helping Rick and the gang Because mm-hmm. again, it's like every time they get involved with them It just turns out into a disaster I'm not sure why Oceanside would want to involve themselves in this Because the whole purpose of them hiding Was so that they didn't have to deal with this stuff Right I'm not sure where the story's going to go with Oceanside We'll see as things go along see. But there's a lot of nice, interesting little parallels of stuff that I noticed, like the whole Jadis thing where she's painting the blue painting Mm -hmm. and the the blue paint gets on Simon's shoe. And it's the same shade of blue that Carl used to make the handprints of himself and Judith on the the porch, which Michonne finds the first part Mm -hmm. of this episode. And sort of that parallel of, in a sense, what you do leaving a mark. And so, I mean, obviously, Simon has put himself in a situation. It's not like Negan's never going to find out. I'm wondering what his game plan is. Mm
1: -hmm. Because he he
0: flat out lied to Negan. He knows what Negan wanted. And he flat out...
1: Completely. Yeah,
0: and deliberately pushed her into a situation where he could, quote, unquote, justify it to himself that he had to do this. But he did what he wanted to do. And he's got to know that Negan isn't going to be happy about it. And when Negan isn't happy with you, heat up the old iron. Yeah,
1: you get, <laughs>
0: you get, the, yeah, you have a pressing engagement.
1: You get maimed. You get disfigured.
0: And so, what's going to happen with that? What's his plan in this situation? Mm-hmm. What's he going to do? Because he's not going to be able to keep it a secret forever unless he was just completely moved by emotion. And he's going to have to play this by ear and figure out what he's going to do as it goes on. Because here's the thing. He's not the only one that knows this happened. Every savior that went with him.
1: But did they know that Negan told him not to kill anyone?
0: I think that they probably would have because they know Negan. Okay. Negan's not real subtle. He makes his will known. But even if they didn't know, which is a possibility, maybe they figured that Simon, they were following orders. Mm-hmm. But what are the odds that one of them is not going to turn around and mention to Negan and how they wiped out all mm-hmm. the junkers? What reason would they have to lie about it? Somebody's going to say something. <laughs> and what's Simon going to do? Kill all of them or tell them all not to say anything to Negan when at least one of them is going to go, We're
1: to say to Negan, uh, she punched me. <laughs> nice. I had to kill them because right. she punched me.
0: If I was one of the saviors, if I knew that Negan was going to be upset about something we did, i good Lord, I'd say something. I'm not going to be that one that's going to go down for Simon. No way. Not a chance. <laughs> so he's got to know that one of the saviors is going to say something. He can't kill all of them. What's going to happen with that? And Black the thi-
1: bribery. Well, um.
0: and here's the other thing. If they don't say anything, is that going to become a schism? Is it going to be Simon's saviors versus Negan's saviors? Mhm. And that's going to be a big deal. Mhm. But Negan at this point has pretty much solidified his power with the saviors, so to challenge him is going to be a major major deal. And I don't know if that's a road Simon's ready and able to go down yet. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's his plan, but again, as I keep saying, well, we've got episodes to go, so I guess we'll find out. We'll find out soon. Of course, next week, maybe we'll find out what happened to Gabriel, or what's right. going to happen to him.
1: This sickness and his This weird...
0: mysterious sickness yeah. that we haven't really explained yet.
1: Mm-hmm. Maybe is the virus mutated? I don't yeah. know. Or
0: it's just going to turn into the same thing happened to Carl? Oh, he got bit. We just didn't see it. Mm-hmm. And we'll see it maybe in a flashback or something. Mm-hmm. So I guess we'll have that part of it, and eventually, I think the next few episodes are going to be catching up with some people that we haven't seen in a while, like Eugene. These episodes are going to be setting the final pieces in into play so that we find out what happens in this war. Setting up the final events that are going to bring this whole thing to a head and to a conclusion. We'll see how things uh, develop from this point. And so with that, this will be the end of uh, this episode.
1: Episode 17. Uh,
0: And however you do listen to us, thank you so very much. And I I would like to mention, I've been going over some of the views and I've been going through a lot of the analytics of who's been watching us on SoundCloud. And for all our Japanese fans, uh, konnichiwa. (laughs) ohio gozaimasu
1: arigato yeah
0: apparently especially on soundcloud we have a large contingency of japanese listeners and so
1: excellent
0: thank you for anime we appreciate that seriously love it (laughs) yeah i love that stuff Mm -hmm. so thank you for all the things that you've given geek culture that we love so much here in, in america and around the world but however you listen to us whether you catch us on facebook or on youtube on soundcloud or on on itunes if you have the ability to subscribe on the platform certainly do so follow up with us post questions on whatever social media you feel most comfortable with let us know if there's anything that you're interested in or you just comments to talk about it talk about it good or bad
1: or if we don't know anything about it we'll make up stuff
0: certainly just let us know where we're wrong because we can always learn from that yeah subscribe share with your friends we'd like to reach as many geek watchers as possible and help kind of grow the show and so until next time For Mandy Petrie, this is Brian Hatcher reminding you that we're all geeky about something. Be proud of yours. See you next time.